Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency in Running podcast. My name is Liz and I will be your host. I'm so excited for today's episode because it's another Q&A answering your questions around running. So we're talking about all things marathon training, fueling, talking about different types of runs as well as how to find your pace. So just sit back and relax and we'll just jump right into the episode. All right. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm so excited to be recording again and recording about something running related because if you didn't know and you haven't listened to my recent episodes, I am injured at the moment. So I haven't like run consistently for about two weeks now and it feels very weird, but I always like feel much better when I like connect with other runners or talk about things or like just talk about running in general. So I'm excited to just kind of dive back back into some of my running tips and experiences that I can share because I think that surprisingly a lot of these questions are like super relatable so I'm really excited to dive into them but before we get started let's as always start with our highs and lows for the week. All right, so my high for the week, the week that I'm recording this, which if you didn't know, I'm pre-recording a few episodes ahead of the holiday season. So at the minute, it is the week it is the week of my half marathon and at even even though I haven't run in two weeks, I have purposely been doing that. I tried running last week and it didn't go super great. So I decided to continue to take a break and just rest my ankle. And today we did like ankle strengthening and like mobility workouts at the gym and leg workouts. So I'm really excited because I've, I feel like I've been waiting for this half just to like get back into running. So I'm just, I think my high is just like looking forward to that. And I've talked, I've spoken about it in previous episodes, but it's like, it goes beyond the half. There's a bunch of girls from the park run that are doing it with me, whether it's the half or the 10K. We're doing Secret Santa. We've got a brunch. And I'm just like so excited because like it's the last thing that we'll do before Jack and I head down to his parents for the holidays. So I'm super, super pumped. And yeah, I think my other high is definitely that I have gotten my coach. I know who my coach is. And I'm like, speaking to her officially for the first time on Friday this week and I'm so pumped. She has got such a cool background and once I get to know her more and you know start to get into the coaching I'll definitely be doing episodes around coaching as like a first timer and my own experience because as some of these questions allude to I am what you may call me a self-taught runner and so I'm excited to get started with a coach and it just feels so right kind of coming out of the injury going into the new year and so I'm just really excited for that and yeah I think my low for the week is just that I'm starting to feel such a lull with like these, like what I'm trying to do with my morning workouts. I posted about it on my Instagram story today because I think as a runner, obviously like running for me comes a lot more easy and a lot more natural and I so miss it, but I also just miss like my like disciplined self and like who I am as a disciplined runner. Like it's so easy for me to get up and, or not easy, but just much easier for me to get up and go for my runs versus I feel like with the gym, I've been trying to mix it up and like do, I was doing a lot of upper body and then I've mixed in some lower body today. I have been cycling like almost every day and have been incorporating swimming here and there as well because I used to swim on a club when I was younger but I just find that it's like it's there's there's like another layer of motivation needed to get up for the gym in the morning because it's not just like you know you get ready you have your breakfast you get out the door it's 
like you're doing all that, but like you, you have to walk to the gym or drive to the gym, like however you get to the gym and then you have to like put your stuff away. Um, and then it's like a whole thing of like, you know, if the machines are available for you to use and then if not, then you like move on to like the next move. And I don't know, I think I'm just maybe a gym newbie, but I just find that it's been like, today was really hard. And I think I'm, I'm just finding like such a lack of motivation and it helps when Jack comes with me to the gym, but he doesn't come all every day because as you guys know, he's not a morning person. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back into running because I definitely know that like running is my thing and I am definitely not a hardcore gym person. <laughs> but before I blabber on too much more, I will just get into the episode. Okay, so I wanted to start with a question that I felt just like so relatable because it's literally what my 2020 was. But the question is what to do when your family and friends are unsupportive of your running goals, especially as a recent college grad or adult that has temporarily returned to living at home. So I kind of started this podcast when I was living at home with my parents back in 2020. I moved back in like right before the pandemic at the end of February in 2020 because my student visa in the UK expired. And side note, I've like always thought about doing more episodes around like my backstory and like how I've come to like live in the UK, but that's for another time. Anyways, you know, February 2020, I'm moving back to my parents. And at the time, I just remember the feeling of feeling so confused and out of place in life and just not sure, you know, what I was meant to do with my life. The whole world was shutting down. I think it was a very confusing time for a lot of us. And I like at the same time, I knew of so many friends that had also moved home to live with their parents. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that by any means. I think it's such a great, it's such a great opportunity, especially if you have that opportunity, because obviously I know that not everyone gets that opportunity. So I feel very, very fortunate and very lucky that my parents let me come home and live at home for the year that I did. But I do remember this feeling, you know, it wasn't necessarily in the sense that I felt unsupported in in relation to like my running goals, but definitely in my sort of personal journey and like my relationship with alcohol, because if you've listened to some previous episodes, you'll know that I do not drink very much anymore and I used to drink very heavily. If you wanna listen more about that story, you can go and listen to those episodes, but I, I definitely relate to this question in the sense of like that separate journey. And like at the same time, I was kind of starting on my running journey. And like, obviously that can be really hard when you're starting on this journey and you're really starting to build this love for this thing that is running. And it's hard, especially when you're not, when you feel that you can't share that. And I think for a while, with running too, I kind of just kept it to myself. I think I've spoken about this before, but like more so in relation to like my own insecurities as a runner, I never really used to talk about it. And then once I did start talking about it, I think I was lucky that like I had people around me, like my dad who had grown up running and um, my siblings and I had grown up playing sports. So I think like it wasn't anything that was unsupported. I think it was definitely something that was confusing for them because I was running a heck of a lot, but I think it's definitely hard being in that like time of your life where you've just graduated college and you know for me at the time I just graduated from my master's program and you know you're coming you know to live at home with your parents and I think that in a way it can almost feel like you're regressing if that makes sense and I know again like I know it's not at all what that means it's you know if you if you live at home with your parents if you are planning on living at home with your parents it does not at all mean that you are regressing in your life and like your progression of 
of life. But I think that that was such a big feeling that I was feeling that I think that I was looking for other ways to kind of fuel my own passions and interests. And so maybe this is sort of something that you're doing. And yeah, it's hard when, you know, you don't, the people around you aren't supportive of your running goals and maybe they don't know how to support you or maybe they just don't know too much about running. I know that like, I think running as in general as a sport is kind of looked upon as not a sport, if that makes sense. Because I think for some people, they look at it and it's like, it's this thing that some people do on, you know, their morning runs, their, you know, weekday runs, and it's a really casual thing. And obviously, there's such a wide range of different levels that you can take your running to. So I think I'm still learning, I feel like with my running, and I've never known about this whole world and realm of running. And I think that's something that I could definitely recommend that really helped me, I think, is just you know, starting to connect with other runners in some way, shape, or form. So whether that's online or in person, if you can, whatever feels comfortable for you. I've personally found that like with the Run Talk community on TikTok, that's been like life-changing for me. Like I've made so many friends. I've met so many friends. It's been so cool. And like, it's also helped me grow as a runner because it's helped me learn how real it is to kind of like run at the pace that I do. And, you know, when I was going through the phases in life that I was when I was really insecure about my pace and learning that like not every runner is running a six minute mile or something. And I think that like also just like building that community, like I did a few run clubs with Nicole in Miami. And I think that it's so cool to go to these you know, events during the week and like run with this group of people and just like share in this love for running. And I think it really helps when you are able to kind of go beyond your immediate you know, circles and kind of look to branch out and meet new people. So I think that that would probably be my best piece of advice. And as well, I think if you are like aiming for a different event or something as a goal, such as like a 5k, 10k, half marathon, full marathon, a lot of the times if you search like on Facebook, on Strava, there's typically or there possibly may be a group of some sort or like a club that is like related to that event or training towards that event. I know that I find that a lot of the time with Facebook. So again, if you're looking to connect with people online, I think that that's a really great way. But I think like the overarching advice for this is definitely to look for other runners and try and meet other runners in your community, wherever your parents live and, you know, online as well, because I think you can build even bigger of a community online and just meet other people, you know, and that sort of thing. So I'm really sorry because I know that feeling and I really struggled with that feeling for a year. So I really hope that like you're able to find other runners and like connect with other runners to share that love for running as you kind of are like, you know, starting on that running journey or wherever you are on the running journey. But I hope that you're able to find something positive out of it. The next question is around how I found my different paces for like my 5k, 10k, half marathon, full marathon as a self-taught runner. So this again kind of alludes to the fact that I have never had a coach. I've been distance running since 2019, the tail end of 2019, and I've only ever followed like 
free online plans. And so I never have really Googled or like researched super hard into like, you know, how to find my pace. So like, don't take this, you know, as like a serious way to do it. In terms of finding my pace, I think for me, it's been through like, for example, with like finding my marathon pace, I find that using my long runs on the weekend. And this also alludes to another question that this person asked around explaining different types of runs. So I can kind of maybe answer these at the same time, but for like marathon training and even like half marathon training, you'll typically have a long run on the weekends and they'll sometimes on the plans tell you to go at like your marathon pace. But I think if you're able to find a pace that feels comfortable for you where you're not pushing yourself too hard, that tends to be like my comfortable half or full marathon pace. In relation to 5K and 10K paces, I find I typically find those in my speed workouts. So anything to do with like speed, interval, and like tempo training. And these are some of the other types of runs that she's listed in her other question. And with like speed workouts, I think it it really helps you find your pace more so for like 5Ks and 10Ks because for me personally at the moment, my 5K pace is around 730 and my 10K pace is around 745, 750. So, and that kind of is directly related to what my like pace would be during a speed workout. So if it's, for example, like, you know, five times 800 meters, I can definitely say that I can look at those like Garmin or Strava workouts and tell you that like during the each of those 800 meter intervals, I'm definitely running around 730, 745. So it's whatever pace I find that I'm running during those speed workouts that I can kind of estimate what my pace may be for a 5K or a 10K. Again, these are all just, this is kind of how I found it as like a self-taught runner, but I'll, I'll talk more now about like explaining different types of runs. So starting with the long run, this is going to to be like, you know, everyone talks about like your weekend long run. Some people do it on Saturdays. Some people do it on Sundays. I like to do it on Sun or I like to do it on Saturdays. And basically it depends on what you're training for. But for example, if you're training for a marathon, your long run is going to look so much more different to your half marathon long runs. Like for example, you could be running a 23 mile long run on the weekend for um, a marathon, but for a half marathon, you may only get up to like 15 16 miles if you're really pushing it, but I find that most of my plans have only really pushed me to 15 miles. And that's kind of just, you know, depending on the plan and depending what your goals are for the race that you're training for, you will basically carry those long runs out at a at an easier, comfortable pace than you would your speed workouts. So your speed workouts, they're different kind of there are different kind of speed workouts that you can kind of allude to. So there's intervals, there's tempos, there's fartlek, there's threshold. There's so many different ones and I definitely should just look up the definition for each of these. Okay, so I've actually just found a resource online that I'll link in the show notes just from marathonhandbook.com. But just going through a couple of these different runs that is listed in the question, starting with long runs. Long runs are exactly what they sound like, a long distance run that exceeds the distance of your typical daily mileage to increase your cardiovascular and muscular endurance, mental stamina, and aerobic energy systems to handle the distance of your target race. 
Long runs are typically run at an easy conversational pace because the goal is to increase your aerobic capacity. Most running coaches recommend trying to keep your heart rate around 70% of your maximal heart rate during a long run. Most running plans have one long run per week, gradually progressing the distance most weeks with some weeks stepping back the distance to prevent overtraining. So I also talked about threshold workouts. Threshold workouts are designed to improve your lactate threshold or the point at which your body can no longer clear lactate from the muscles as quickly as it is being produced. Beyond this point, you will rapidly fatigue and your legs feel and your legs feel heavy and tired. The lactate threshold occurs around 83 the lactate threshold occurs around 83 to 88% of your VO2 max. So your threshold run pace would be the pace you are running at 83 to 88% of your VO2 max according to your lab results or roughly the pace you could hold at max effort for an hour of running. For most runners, threshold pace is somewhere between 10k to 15k race pace. Threshold workouts involve any work done at threshold effort. For example, you might warm up and then run four times five minutes at threshold pace with two minutes of recovery pace between each interval. Tempo runs are a specific type of threshold run. See, that's something that I didn't know. So then tempo runs are specific threshold workouts that involve maintaining threshold effort, usually run around 10K or half marathon pace for a sustained 20 minutes or more. Tempo runs condition the metabolic system to clear metabolic byproducts and waste at the same rate. It is being produced to prevent muscular fatigue and discomfort and challenge your mental fortitude to keep going when you are uncomfortable or to get comfortable being uncomfortable. This type of running workout like threshold runs also conditions your cardiovascular system to deliver and utilize more oxygen at faster speeds, which is essentially reflected in an improvement in your VO2 max, which is a measure of your aerobic capacity. In this way, tempo runs improve your running economy because if you can deliver more oxygen to your working muscles while you are running and are simultaneously better able to clear metabolic byproducts made when producing energy without oxygen, you will be able to produce more energy faster with less resultant fatigue. So then interval workouts, these are typically done on a track. And as I said, I don't typically do mine on a track, but track interval workouts involve running specific distances at specific paces on the track with the goal of training you to run faster, learn the feeling of different paces and boost your fitness. Examples of interval workouts include 10 times 400 meters at 5K pace, with 200 meter recovery, four times one mile at 10K pace with 400 meter recovery, 20 times 200 meters at max pace with full recovery, and two sets of 1600, 1200, 800, 400, and five to 10 seconds faster than 5K effort with two minutes of recovery. Fartlek runs is a Swedish, so Fartlek is a Swedish term for speed play. This I did not know. And everyone always tells me like, what does Fartlek mean? I don't know. But Fartlek runs are a form of speed workout, much like track intervals, but have a looser structure and take place on a trail, road, or another running course instead of a track. Rather than having a set distance for each interval, a Fartlek run may go by time or choose arbitrary landmarks to demote the start and stop of hard efforts. There is no stopping between intervals. The runner just adjusts the pace between recovery and quote unquote, on intervals. For example, a runner might do a fartlek workout that involves warming up for two miles, then running 10 times 90 seconds at 5k pace with 60 seconds recovery jog in between each, each interval, followed by a one mile cool down. A beginner runner might do a fartlek workout that involves walking for five minutes, then running from one street sign to the next, and then walking until the next street sign. When the next street sign is passed, the runner will start running again until the following street sign, and so on. Lampposts, houses, mailboxes, traffic lights, stop signs, city blocks, or 
avenues and telephone poles are all examples of landmarks a runner can use to denote starting and stopping locations for each interval in these types of running workouts. So yeah, I'll have that linked in the show notes of the episode just because I don't want to try and guess what each run is because I feel like while I feel like I have knowledge of some of these, I don't exactly know what some of the other ones are and I feel like I'm still learning and I feel like I'll learn a lot more from my coach when I start doing that training. But now we're going to move on to the next few questions that talk more about marathon training. So if you're interested in some marathon training topics, we will talk about them here. As someone who's run five marathons, I'm starting to get the hang of them. Um, But first, let's start with fueling slash water advice for marathon training in the race itself. So I can I can honestly say that for the past five marathons, I've run with a water backpack. So like a hydration vest on my back. And I'm actually going to be trying to run without one for future marathons. And I'm just going to see how it goes because ever since I heard that the New York marathon doesn't let you wear them, I'm just like, you know, I don't actually, I find that I don't need that much water and like maybe for my trail marathon, yes, but like for most of the city marathons that I've been doing, there are so many different aid stations that I find that like I could probably be okay just by relying on the aid stations. But I think at the same time, my hydration vest for a lot of my very first marathons really gave me that sense of security in, in terms of like knowing that like I had my own source of water and gels and like I typically would bring around six gels with me and I've been eating the goo gels for so long and like specifically strawberry and banana and salted caramel but I definitely feel like I need to try some new gels in 2023 because I'm gonna be honest they're getting a little bit old for me (laughs) and I've been having them for like the past two years but I think in terms of like fueling and water I don't I don't follow any sort of like you know I'm gonna drink water at mile one and three and six like I don't I when I'm thirsty I'm thirsty and like for example if I'm carrying a water backpack I'll have the water whenever I want and I'll try and like not drink it all at once obviously because we want to keep it going for the entire 26.2 miles. If I'm relying on aid stations I think that'll be a different story and that would definitely need to be more strategic so I think after I ran Manchester Marathon I can probably talk a little more about that. In terms of gels I space out the gels about every five to six miles and what I've been finding with a lot of my marathons is that I get to about mile 18 and my stomach is just sick of like all the goo gels and that's another reason why I want to try and find different gels because I just get to a point where like I can't consume the goo gels because they make me feel like sick to my stomach and so I think a lot of like a lot of what's great about your marathon training is that you can spend those 16 to 20 weeks really looking and trying out different nutritional different nutrition and like gels because it kind of goes beyond gels as well obviously there's different ways to have fuel you can try like those the gummies that they have I think Cliff do like energy blocks and there are different ways to get that energy but definitely make sure that you are getting enough energy it's also a really good test to be testing this out on your long runs just to make sure that you're giving yourself enough hydration and nutrition to sustain yourself during those long runs and as you increase make sure that you're increasing your nutrition and hydration as well the last question that we're going to end on is a bit of a fun one and I wanted to save it for last just because it is kind of like me listing things but this question again is related to marathon training so it's five to ten things you wish you knew before getting into marathons so again as a self-taught runner I've just like kind of fallen into marathons and I just like I, I will quite literally tell people at work like yeah I run marathons for fun but I think as someone who is you know now has a coach officially and is getting more serious about it you know I'll definitely have a different standpoint in a year 
But I think for now, just being a self-taught runner that has like coached myself through five marathons, I will give you five to 10 things that I definitely wish that I knew before getting into marathons. So first of all, is that you chafe when you run. I did not know this. I, I had never heard anything about chafing. And while people will recommend like those body glide, that body glide company or brand, Vaseline is so easy and it's going to be your best friend. Buy a massive tub of it and make sure that you apply, especially in the summer. Make sure that you are getting like your chest, your back, if you wear a hydration backpack, as well as your armpits, which is a bit of a random one. But I just find that that was something that was such that was so like new to me that I at first I didn't really understand what it was until I googled it and like learned more about it and yeah I would just recommend getting Vaseline because <laughs> I I didn't have that for my first marathon and let me tell you I had the worst chafing after my first marathon that was also a trail marathon. Number two when you get into marathons and you start marathon training you really do kind of lose like most of your social life because you become if you are truly committed to marathon training you will be committed to that long run on the weekends which means you are in bed early on a Friday night to get up for that long run on Saturday or if you're doing a Sunday long run, you're in bed early on a Saturday night to get up early for that Sunday long run. And then, you know, you do your, for example, for me, I go to bed early on a Friday night, wake up for the Saturday long run, go and spend a couple hours running that long run, get home, shower, eat. And then I'm just a couch potato for most of the day. I'll try and like have Jack and I go out for like a coffee. But after that, I'm just exhausted. And I just want to go back home and sit on the couch. And it just feels like it like definitely does take up like a massive portion of your life. So just be prepared for that. Because I think if you if you want to like truly commit yourself to this, be ready to lose some some of your own me time. Number three, and this is probably one that you've heard many times before, something that I will say, but I will never take for my own advice, is to run the first 20 miles with your head and the last six with your heart. So I think I've done... I've spoken about my struggle with like that last 10k of a marathon and I like to term it and many have termed it the pain cave because what I do and what many others do is go out too hard in the beginning. So what you're meant to do is take it easy in the beginning and like comfortably run those first 20 miles and then race the last six. I feel like I do the opposite because by the time I get to the half marathon point, many times have I found myself being like, oh God, I need to do this again, like another 13 miles. So if you can try and control yourself in the beginning of a marathon, it's really hard, especially if it's a big city marathon, because the crowds are really exciting. There are so many people and like there's just so much like up in the city that it's kind of like, you know, branding for your marathon. And you're just like, wow, people are here to like watch you know, all of you guys run the marathon, but it's important to remember not to get too in your head, which is what I do a lot of the time. And it just makes those last six miles really, really tough. And it's definitely happened to me before where it's like slowed me down at least by a minute a mile, which really sucks. And you can just like clearly tell when I'm looking at my splits where exactly I went into the pain cave. So definitely run the first 20 with your head, the last six with your heart. Tip number four is if you are running your marathon, you're like your very first marathon for the first time ever, your goal should be just to finish. I remember going into my first marathon thinking I was gonna get a certain time and I was like aiming for it. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna do it. And then I saw the course at my trail marathon and by mile three, I threw my A goal out the door and I was just like, I'm just gonna try and finish 
this. And if I can finish this, it'll be a miracle in itself. But many times have I heard of friends who are doing their first marathon and like either like are really wanting to go for time or really get bummed at the end when they don't end up getting their time. But I think you definitely learn something from every single one of your marathons. So keep that in mind. And like knowing that like, you know, you can be part of that 1% of people in the world that have run a marathon is is like crazy in itself. So I think the first marathon is like, it'll always be, it'll always be memorable and you'll always look back on it. And with running your first marathon, obviously if you're, if your sole goal for it is just to finish, your next marathon can only improve from there, you know? So if you're not like pushing yourself too hard, obviously you don't want to like risk injury or anything like that. You know, you finish the first one, then by the second one, you feel a bit more comfortable and a bit more confident because you know that you've run one before. So you kind of have a gist of like how they go and how they feel for you personally on your own body. And so I think it's just important to really make sure that you're staying like true to yourself and like don't just focus on like one race but rather like think long term and think about how long you want to be running marathons and how many more you want to do and yeah just don't get too in your head and take that first one easy and just make it your goal just to finish. Tip number five is that I find that if I don't strength train and like I only started strength training before when I was training for Berlin marathon before that I never incorporated strength training into my marathon training so for the first three I never did strength training I found that as soon as I introduced strength training my body felt a lot better during the marathon because before I would go through these different like you know like pains while I was running like whether it was midway whether it was at the 20 mile mark and it would just be like my back my legs, my knees, everything was hurting. And these are all things that you can work on at the gym to make you stronger as a runner. And I never knew how important strength training was until I started running these marathons that I was like, and then I started strength training and I was like, wow, I feel such a difference. And like Berlin was such a, it felt like such a breeze for me. And I say that like, you know, not literally a breeze. It was still a full marathon. But if you look at my splits, for example, they're like consistently around the 930 mark because I was able to hold that for the entire 26 miles. Did I feel like I was going to the pain cave at mile 20? Yeah, a little bit. But I, I was still able to kind of find it in myself to keep going. And it was nowhere near the amount of pain that I was feeling at like my previous marathons in like Paris or London Marathon 2021. So definitely tip number five, incorporate strength training. So I'm going to cap it at tip number five, just because I've now looked at how long this episode is, but I wanted to say thank you so much to those who submitted questions. I always love connecting with you guys and just seeing the different questions that you ask are so interesting to me because I feel like, you know, who I was when I first started running can relate so much to a lot of these questions and I wish that I knew or had asked these questions. So I hope that you found this episode helpful and I will catch you in my next episode. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. I really do hope that you enjoyed it. As I mentioned in the podcast, please do check out the show notes of the episode for any resources mentioned and I will, and as well as any ways to connect with me on social media. Otherwise, I will see you in the next episode. Bye.